Hey, everybody. My name is Austin. I'm super excited to be on the podcast with you today. I want to spend our time today primarily talking about how does God mature us in our faith. So let's do it. Um, so you guys know I sit with or I work with primarily college students, so young adults, anywhere from 18 to 25, essentially, and um, been doing that for a few years here at Connection, did it for a few years, even before I came to Connection, and it's one of, I think, my, my favorite things to do is to sit down with college students and just hear about their journey, the journey of faith, how they came to know Jesus, or what their holdups with coming to know Jesus are, or following Jesus um, but just hearing what has the journey been, and in fact, that's partly why I've made it kind of a key statement in our ministry, we say a lot, is faith is a journey. And that's primarily driven by my heart, which is I want people to know that faith a lot of times is kind of an up and down roller coaster. Man, it has its ups and downs, its ebbs and flows. It's, it's not always this just up into the right movement. And I would even say it's not always like a linear movement, that sometimes it can feel like it goes in circles. But I'm just always trying to encourage college students especially that it's a journey. And that doesn't mean, you know, that you just kind of get lazy and say, well, you know, I'm just on a journey, so, you know, it's okay that I'm not as mature as I should be or whatever. No, like we always have an intensity and a desire to follow the Lord but we just understand that it comes with a journey. And um, but one of the things that I primarily hear when I sit down with college students is sometimes a disappointment or a frustration even at their lack of progress in the journey. So they've come to know Jesus. They've been following him for however amount of time. But at some point, they've hit some sort of wall or resistance in their walk with the Lord, and they're upset about that. And I partly sit with them and go, yeah, I get it. Like, and that's good, a good thing that you're upset. Like, that's okay, and, and let's talk through maybe why you're experiencing that. And sometimes it's a very simple, like, man, you've, you've walked away from the Scriptures, or and you've really found some other priorities in your life, and and made a, uh, you know, spending time with God not a priority. And so let's adjust that that kind of thing. But sometimes it's not as easy to put your finger on, you know, why they are sensing this lack of progress. And so um, another response that I will often have in that conversation uh, may surprise you a little bit, and that is that I often just go, hey, relax. Like, take a deep breath and relax. Because faith is a journey. And God, I, I don't know this for sure, but I don't think that God is up in heaven like losing his crap. Excuse me. Losing, you know what I mean? <laughs> like losing it because, you know, reading the scriptures has been really challenging for you for the past few months. Like, like relax on the condemnation of yourself. Faith is a journey. And... You know, we, we all want to grow in our faith. We all want to make progress 
in our faith. And I think I would even add that that is a, a expectation um, of God, right? That we grow. Anytime you find someone who's stagnant in their faith, I think there's some red flags, right? Like, like why is there stagnation? Because as I read scripture, it seems pretty clear to me that maturity is the desire. And even maturity is the goal. Like we want to mature in our faith. And that's why, you know, you'll meet people who are 60 plus years old who have been following Jesus for 40 years and they still have a heart for maturity, for growth, for how is God growing me? How is he changing me? We never arrive to a place where we say, I'm done. I have arrived at peak maturity. There's nothing else for me to grow in. I mean, maturity is a consistent pursuit. It's never ending. I think about, you know, all of Paul's writings. It seems like Paul especially writes a lot about maturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe, he talks about the um, how children need milk. And he's talking about spiritual maturity, how they need milk. But at some point, uh, there's a need for meat. And so there's this growth from milk to meat. You know, there's this maturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I behaved like a child. But when I became an adult, I put aside childish ways. And I began to act like an adult. And so there's this, this theme of maturity in a lot of Paul's writing. So I think it's pretty clear that God wants to mature you and I. Like that's what he wants for our life. So I want to ask you a few questions for you to think through uh, wherever you're listening or watching this at. Number one is this. What are the marks of maturity? Like how, how do you know that someone has matured or is maturing? I asked Jordan this question, I think, last week. And, of course, just typical Jordan. He gave me a brilliant answer on a whiteboard. You know, it involved multiple acronyms. It was genius. So I took some from that, but I really want to simplify it for you. And because I'm sure that, that we could talk for hours about what are the marks of maturity. But I want to try to get it really simple for you today. So to do that, I first would say, what are the marks of just maturity in life in general? Not spiritual maturity, but just maturity as a whole. You know, maybe it's when someone can kind of take care of themselves without a, a parent or a guardian or or some signs of emotional maturity. Like someone can, can uh, have a relationship with someone, a friendship or a dating relationship or a marriage can, can sustain long relationships because where there's immaturity, there's often relational dysfunction. So maybe that's a mark of maturity. But what are the marks, now shifting from that, what are the marks of spiritual maturity? And to me, that's a little bit harder to answer, but I think a, a simple answer to that is that we can look at the fruit of the Spirit that someone who is maturing in their faith is growing in the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. That you can look back on your life and say, man, I, I remember when I once was this way or I once was just riddled with anxiety and fear of the future. And, and it's not even like back before I was saved. It could just be even after I've been a Christian. I, this was a primary struggle or a primary thing in my life. But now I can see how the fruit of peace, the fruit of the spirit of peace, 
is more at work and is more evident in my life. I just have a little bit more of a natural disposition toward peace than I used to. So you've matured in peace, or maybe you've matured in self-control. Maybe you're, maybe you have more self-control than you used to, or maybe you have more joy than you used to. Like there's a maturity of the fruit of the spirit. There's progress in how these things get expressed in your life by the power of the spirit of God in you. So then I ask the question: How do we produce the fruit? How do we produce the fruit? And to me, the answer is pretty clear there that we look at John chapter 15, where where Jesus talks about if you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. So he says there has to be this abiding, this remaining, where um, the intimacy that you have with the Lord allows the fruit from the Spirit to get produced in you. So abiding has to happen, right? But what is the process? What is the process by which God matures the fruit in our lives? What is the process by which God matures those fruit? And no doubt the tools that he uses are scripture, prayer. I think about all the spiritual disciplines. He uses community in our lives. He uses the, you know, the practice of sitting under the, the teaching of God's word, worship, those are different things that we are involved in that mature the fruit in us. And, and all while doing that, we're abiding in Him. But I've come to realize that God will take me through different seasons in life and seasons really of the soul. He will take me through seasons of the soul in which certain fruit get produced in certain seasons. And so that's what I wanted to spend the rest of the time talking to you about is seasons of the soul. There's long been, you know, people come up with different ways to describe spiritual growth. Think about stages of growth. There's, there's, there's tons of different ways to think about um, how we grow in maturity. But one that has really made sense to me, and, and I've seen to be really helpful as people begin to understand it, is thinking through spiritual growth as seasons of the soul that God brings us through seasons, and in these seasons, he produces fruit. Just like there are seasons of, you know, the environment, we go through spring and summer and fall and winter, and there are certain fruits that get produced and harvested in different seasons. You know, I I am not smart in this, but, you know, I know there are certain times of the year or you want to harvest apples. There's certain times of the year you want to harvest peaches or or different kinds of fruit from trees. Um, just like certain fruits get produced in certain seasons, God produces certain fruits in us as we go through different seasons of the soul. Now, I think it's important that I mention here, we're not talking about just seasons of life. Like, you, you know, you, you go through a season of a, being a college student or a season of being young and not married, and then a season of being young and married, and then a season of being young and having kids or or whatever. Those are stages more. But I'm talking about seasons of the soul. And so we think about spring. The spring season of the soul is primarily marked as being fresh and new. New things are coming to life. This is when someone gets saved. Someone becomes a new believer. They're given a new heart. 
and things are just alive to them. I mean, for the very first time, they're seeing things that they've never seen before. They're experiencing a, a new love and a new satisfaction in Jesus that they've never had. I mean, things are blooming in spring, right? And I think it's important to note, for a lot of you listening, you're in different leadership positions at our church, and maybe you're leading a connect group. Um, it's important to note that when you come across someone who is in a spring season, um, I have learned that it's important to wait on giving them a leadership role. Now, I know putting someone in a leadership position can often help their growth, but I think it's wise, or I've learned it to, to be a, a wise decision, to not get enamored or fired up by someone's new passion. It's exciting, and I want to be excited with them, but it's new, and I think it takes time for maturity to develop, and especially before you put somebody in a leadership role, you want to see them go through the different seasons. Um, and so hopefully that's helpful for some of you, maybe if you're in a leadership role. But then spring leads to summer, and summer is characterized by what I would say abundance and light. You know, summer is an easy growth season. A lot of times there's this like complete awareness of God. And every time you read the Bible, it's just full of delight. You're amazed at what God is doing. Um, you, you show up to worship and you worship with a full heart with hardly any distraction. I mean, it's just a lot like spring. I mean, new life and new energy. And, and I think about really the, the fruit of joy. That joy is produced in a summer season like no other season. I mean, you are experiencing the joy of the Lord like never before. But then out of spring and summer, there's always a fall. And fall is characterized by these two words, fade and end. As you start to see kind of a, a fade in some of that passion that you used to have. Um, it's marked by challenging growth. It doesn't mean you're not growing, but man... The, the spiritual disciplines of reading your Bible, of prayer, of worship, it just feels more challenging than it was before. I mean, it doesn't come with as much ease as it used to, or maybe things aren't popping off the pages of Scripture like they used to, or it doesn't seem to be resonating with you like, you, like it used to. It doesn't mean that you don't have a love for God or that you don't have a love for His Word and prayer and community. It doesn't mean that. Just for some reason, it's harder than it used to. I think about like a relationship, you know, a, a new dating relationship where at some point, and it varies for every different couple, I guess, but at some point that new fresh mojo kind of goes away. It starts to fade. And honestly, I, I, that is what it is like a lot of times for believers is at some point, some of that begins to fade. And the point that I want to make, and I'll make it at the very end too, just to, to reiterate it, is that um, God is leading you through that on purpose. That it is not because you've done something wrong. That it is, it is God wanting to take you through the different seasons because there is fruit that can be seen in different seasons and fruit that can be grown and matured in different seasons um, that can that can be grown and matured in one season that can't be matured in another. I was reading in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. 
And it says this, says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And I was reading through that thinking of the seasons, and it's almost like Jesus is saying, I have to go through a fall and a winter, and I'm going to go through it, and you can't stop me. I know that I have to go through it. And in order for people to experience a spring, you know, of new life and new salvation, Jesus had to go through some of the darkest moments that would come with crucifixion and, you know, the abandonment of his father. And I think, you know, for us to realize that we have to go through falls and winters to even even really begin to appreciate the summers when things are blooming is sometimes God brings you through fall and winter, and that's important, and that's okay, and that God's trying to build in us a perseverance through those that is important. And then the winter season is, you know, without a doubt, the hardest season for Christians. Uh, one author wrote a book called The Dark Night of the Soul. It was written by a guy named uh, John of the Cross, St. John of the Cross where he talks about, he describes how every believer at some point in some, some way goes through a dark night of the soul. And it feels like God has abandoned you, that he is not as loud as he once was. You start to wonder, is he listening to you? Is he there? You're not experiencing his presence like you used to. And it's important to note here that it's, that is not true that we know God is near, and that we know God does not abandon us, but it can sometimes feel as if he is. And there is a difference between a believer who's just like, man, I know, not only with my head, but I, I have experienced a sense that God is right here with me as I open his word, as I pray. It's like I'm sitting down with him in the same room. But many, many believers also know what it's like to open the same word and to pray to the same person and sense that he's not there. And what I would encourage you with, if you're listening to this, is to hold on to the truth. Number one, that God is bringing you through this and that he is taking you through this because there's something he wants to teach you. There's perseverance. There's faithfulness. There are fruit that can be developed in you during a winter season, unlike any other season. And so if you're in that winter season, then hold on. Hold on and choose to believe that spring is coming. It's coming. And you can't stay in a season for the rest of your life, that God will bring you through different seasons. And so if you're in the fall and the winter, then hold on. Cling to what you know to be true Cling to the spiritual disciplines is one of the things I would encourage you to do is, is continue in those things that you know God has put in front of you to mature the fruit in you and to lead you closer to him, even when you don't feel it. 
you see those darker seasons of fall and winter um, often are marked by a lack of feeling. But that's okay, because we live by faith, not feeling. And so we have faith that God is who he says he is, that his promises are true, that he is near, and that he will not abandon us. So we hold on to that even when we are sensing a lack of his uh, presence or, or there is a lack of experience of him. God has fresh fruit for us in every season. You have never arrived at fully matured fruit. And so wherever you find yourself at now, whether it's a spring and summer and life is vibrant and, man, God is just making you so aware of his presence and his truth and his word and prayer, if you're there, then soak it in. Soak it in. It's a good time to be in, and God's trying to develop things in you and mature things in you. But if you find yourself in fall and winter, hold on to the truth that God is near hold on to his promises and believe that spring is coming. Love you guys.